A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Searching for the loan that's right for your life or your business? The Bank of Clark County offers personal auto financing, personal loans and business lines of credit, mortgages and business real estate loans, home equity loans, personal and business construction loans, and more. Whether you're looking to upgrade your life or your business, the Bank of Clark County has the loan that fits. Visit your local Bank of Clark County branch or go to bankofclark.bank. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. Do you know what people see when they Google you? Search engines don't always get it right, and when they're wrong, it's your reputation on the line. So what do you do when you don't agree with your search results? Call Reputation Defender at 855-432-4905. Reputation Defender is one of the most trusted names in online reputation repair. We have over a decade of experience in fixing people's search results, and we can help you too. Using cutting-edge approaches, Reputation Defender pushes unflattering information down to lower pages of your search results, where few people ever look. We also promote the good stuff so that it rises to the top, letting you put your best foot forward. Your good name is too valuable to leave to the whims of a Google algorithm. You owe it to yourself to take charge of your reputation. Visit www.reputationdefender.com or call 855-432-4905 for free advice on your situation. That's 855-432-4905. I'm Tamara Thomas, Editor-in-Chief of UrbanHealthToday.com, part of the DocWire family of medical news sites, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Urban Health Weekly. Our goal each week is to keep you informed of the latest in health and medical news right from today's headline. It's time to empower yourself with open conversations about your medical care with news that matters to you. So are you ready? Let's get started. Hey, welcome to Urban Health Weekly. I'm here with my friends, Louie and Jackie, and I want us to get started. But before we get started, Jackie, I had a question last week and I wanted to answer that question for you because I realized I didn't really quite answer the question. We were talking about uh, genomic testing for breast cancer. Uh Um, I answered about genetic breast cancer, which I know there's a difference. Um, but I just wanted to circle back and answer that question for you. And the answer is most insurances do cover genomic uh, testing if you have a breast cancer diagnosis. Okay. So yeah. is that like for BRCA1 and 2? No. If you, get, if, you, if you get diagnosed with like a stage 1, stage 2, stage 3, you know, some stage of cancer or, or DCIS, okay. um, most insurances do pay for for the diagnostics for genomic testing. Once you have the diagnosis. Once you've got a diagnosis, once you've been diagnosed with with, uh, some form of breast cancer, most insurances do pay for genomic testing, which is different from genetic testing. All right, on to medical news of the week. So the FDA um, has new uh, SALT guidelines. So FDA, everyone, is the Food and Drug Administration. Food and Drug Administration drafted guidelines aimed at reducing America's sodium intake when they eat out, have packaged food, or prepare food at home. The goal of the new recommendations, which are just that, by the way, recommendations, is to reduce the amount of sodium we ingest by about 12% over the next two and a half years. 
That's a very strangely specific amount, but okay. This involves asking food companies and restaurants to cut back on how much salt they use. Current guidelines for Americans recommends that uh, adults keep their sodium intake to less than 2,300 milligrams a day. But the average American eats about 3,400 milligrams a day. And these new guidelines will reduce daily sodium intake to about 3,000 milligrams per day. The thinking is that most Americans consume the majority of their sodium from dining out and packaged foods. And too much sodium intake has been linked, as we know, to serious health conditions like high blood pressure. Now, I'm not sure that ordering the manufacturers and restaurants to reduce their sodium use is enough. As it is, people are already consuming too much uh, sodium. The new recommendations may help a little, but people are consuming damn near 50% more sodium daily than recommended. What do you guys think about this? First of all, how is anybody going to monitor like Burger King? Uh, you know, you do two shakes of the salt. You have some on the... sort of obsession with Burger King, but we'll. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right, we'll go to McDonald's we'll, this week or Wendy's we'll or any of these places. Wendy's. We'll unpack how, that some other time. How is, well, it's, you know, part of it is that the average American, the reason why we're, we're eating so much is that the majority of the sodium comes from eating out. So where do people eat out? You know, 50% of the time, it's a fast food place. Uh, I just picked Burger King, but whether it's McDonald's or Wendy's or Popeye's or whatever, they usually go heavy on the salt. Uh, it's just something that they do. And how are we going to regulate that? Um, secondly, for a reason, because salt is super addictive. That's why it's doing that. It makes food taste delicious and it's cheap and it, and it works. So there's no incentive for them to take it down. It's part of what makes the food so extra delicious. You yeah. Know? Yes. That's that's. It has to be mandated. There's no reason for them to do it, and it alters our ability, and our our taste buds are altered for our downtime. When you're not eating at a restaurant, you you are expecting everything to taste so salty and delicious. I mean, I think salt is the hardest one to get rid of. Like I'm pretty much off sugar now, but man, do I crave salt? That one, and it's not replaceable. Like you got to come up with some really elaborate ways. Oof. Yeah, you're right. How do we reduce that? I mean, look, it's supposed to be 2,300 milligrams a day. We're doing 3,400. Um, I just don't really see how we get to that number when we have, uh, particularly now where we're at this, this juncture where we need to support um, eateries because of the pandemic and everything, you know, yeah. eat out, support these businesses, et cetera. You know, I'm, I'm just not really sure that uh, this is going to work. I mean, I applaud it. I applaud the, the effort. I just don't know that it's really going to do anything. But uh, I, I, think... I agree with Louie that everybody, I mean, we just the way our lives are, we eat out and we don't want to reduce. I mean, I'm at, you know, a Wendy's or a Burger King or something like a couple times a week with a kid. I mean, that's just we go through that drive through after fishing mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, that stuff is just jacked with sodium. It's really? You know? I mean, yeah. But that's part of what makes it so dull. Sugar and sodium. That's what yeah. makes And oil. Yeah. Salt, oil, sugar. It, it's what makes it extra delicious and addictive. Yeah. You know, we have an expectation for food to taste extra delicious in a way that natural food, natural whole food doesn't taste like that. We've just gotten used to it. Hello. Yep. No, I, I agree. Uh, maybe we should do something like Mayor Bloomberg here in New York City did, where 
He made the sodas. Uh, you couldn't uh, order a big soda. You had to order a little soda. Well, the good thing food. that came from that is, you know, after that movie, Super Size Me, you know, restaurants stopped mm-hmm. offering the Super Size um, uh, drinks. Remember, you'd go, would you like a Super Size? Oh, that? No. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, but people would do yeah. the Super Size. And now that it's not an option anymore. So, you know, it's funny. They are calories now. Yeah, they didn't use to post calories. Yes, that's the thing. I think if people are made aware, that's the thing, right? Like I used to do the 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 Starbucks thing all the time. So I found out about how much sugar I'm actually supposed to have, and compared it to how much I was really having, and that was such an eye opener that I was like, in one drink, having three times my daily intake of of sugar was it was mind blowing, and I think. I think the, the, the best thing to do is people need to be aware of how much salt they're supposed to normally have for the day and then work from there. Then it's like, whoa, you know, like most yeah. people know, okay, 2000 calories a day. Oh, wow. This one burger or this one sandwich yeah. or this that's one food. entree that's is 2000. Whoa, that's way too much. People need to be more knowledgeable of what the daily intake is. And then I think we can decide from there. But policing the food industry, that's going to be very tough. Very tough. And they never do it voluntarily. No. You'll don't. never get voluntary. Yeah. No, I mean, that's it's why the stuff is so addictive and delicious. It's because it's, it's designed to be that way. So. Well, yeah, we knew what that, yeah, a specification of the guideline of what the number is. I agree. That's really helpful. That is key. That. Everybody knows 1,000 calories. Yeah. Everybody knows 2,000 calories around there. Right. Exactly. So if more people know that you're only supposed to have 23 and it might be less for women, but the more people know what that actual number is, then you have a basis for comparison. And then you can be uh, more savvy about your food choices or not. Or you may say, look, I don't care. I like it. But I think once you know, you can't unknow that information. Um, Ah, That's true. and And then it's really up to you. But I think people are, are operating in, uh, in darkness now. How to detect ovarian cancer. According to the American Cancer Society, over 21,000 people will be diagnosed with ovarian cancer. The disease that begins in a woman's ovaries, which are the female organs that produce eggs, is the fifth deadliest cancer for women overall and the most lethal cancer of the female reproductive system. Though ovarian cancer rates have been declining over the past 20 years, per ACS data, the fact that it is still a leading cause of death is due in part to late-stage detection. About 75% of all ovarian cancer cases are diagnosed in more advanced stages, according to the American Academy of Family Physicians, or AAFP. This is because early-stage ovarian cancer doesn't have symptoms, and there's currently no good screening test for those who are at average risk of the disease. So how are doctors detecting ovarian cancer? A blood test called cancer antigen 125 or CA125, along with transvaginal ultrasound. It's all good and well, let me just say, but I will tell you, I do this test annually. And while I do have, I do feel some measure of protection, the transvaginal ultrasound has actually been cut back to every three years if you have a clean ultrasound. So I don't feel as secure as I used to. I'm just not convinced that this is enough now. It's fine, but it's not enough. You know, leave it to the insurance industry to make people feel less safe. What do you guys think? I'm not sure how I feel about um, 
how easy was it for you to get coverage for the transvaginal? Um, fairly easy. You know, it's it's because I have the, the BRCA. Ah, the BRCAs. Okay. Yeah, I just you know have it. You know, I used to have it every year, and now they've cut it back to if your last you know um, exam didn't turn anything up, you've got to wait three years. Well, a lot could happen in three years. That's just oh not- yeah, we've had. The- that discussion before absolutely yeah so the I'm speed not, of it yeah exactly so I'm not really comfortable with that I, and I have to talk to my doctor about are they cutting back the CA 125 also that I'm not sure about I, I just don't feel any measure of security as a result of this that's where I stand on it Lou yeah I I think like look you know, if you, you know, I'm equating it to the men's uh, men's health prostate cancer, which is pretty undetectable too, or asymptomatic, let's say. Uh, however, the PSA exam, they encourage you to do it every year. And it's, you know, they take, I get blood. You know, it's one of the standard tests that they do. It, it doesn't catch everything, but it's an indicator that maybe you need to do something else. So my feeling is that the blood test should be something you do every year. Uh, the other more invasive tests, maybe yes, maybe no, I'm not sure. But at least one of the two tests should be done on a regular every year. Three years is just too long to wait. A cancer can get started and grow roots. And the other problem is if you don't ask for the CA25, which has been my experience, I always ask for it. If you don't ask for it, you don't get it. That's uh, a problem. And also, last time I checked, the PSA, which is the, the you know, uh, uh, prostate-specific antigen test, that is done every year. There is no, last time I checked, or to my knowledge, there is no, if your PSA was clean this year, you have to wait. Ah. It's done every year for men. So well, For men starting at, at age uh, 50. The whatever. point is, it's not something that the insurance has decided it's not a priority to do if you have a clean PSA. It is done every year. Yeah. And well, certainly our, the breast cancer, the breast cancer societies have really pushed for mammograms and ultrasounds. Like they've really done a good job advocating. Uh, so the ACS hasn't, they just haven't come together on ovarian. Is that it? It just doesn't get enough press and this is getting press. Or this is getting, you know. You, I, you, I think part of the reason the breast cancer machine is so very well oiled is because there are so many drugs attached to it. Oh. It's where the money goes and where the money goes is where the research, et cetera, and you follow the, follow the breadcrumb. I think there's just not enough uh, um, financial incentive. Not enough financial incentive. There's not enough drugs out there. Uh, to I wonder if there were more imaging technology or if the imaging got covered more easily, if suddenly we would be getting, like if, if transvaginal ultrasound and this, this uh, test of, what is it, the CA, what's it called? Uh, CA-125. If that if that were easily covered and if it was recommended, it is easily covered. It's not something okay. you have to make a special request for. You can just ask for it, and it's it's co- part of your labs. But the point is, you have to know no. that something that you can ask for and something that that can be done. And I'm saying that most people don't even read the requisitions to know that doctors can and, and should test for this. 
Also, the problem is the location of the ovaries with the with the the, the prostate, which is you know sort of. Oh the, yeah, you can do. You don't have to outsource that. The doctor can do it. Right. Whereas with the ovaries, mm-hmm. you know, it, you've got to look through, or you've got to, in the case of the transvaginal, you've got to put the the. And you need a radiologist. To, right. to read it, yes. Well, some doctors have the equipment in 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 office. My um, previous gynecologist had the equipment uh, in office. Ah, mine did not. Mine did not. Not for a certain things. You had to go. You had to go to. Uh, you had to make a separate appointment and go elsewhere. You know, some doctors are are okay with with patient going outside and 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 trust that the patient is going to follow through and go and make the additional appointment uh, and, and and get it done. And some doctors feel like, you know what, I've got them here. Let me just, I, I, I'm going to make the investment. I'm going to do it while I'm here. And that way there's less running around. It becomes a longer visit, but at least it's one and done. Right. right. Yes. So if we look at how much money was spent in 2018 uh, for breast cancer uh, last year that we have full date on, uh, $574 million was spent on breast cancer. If we look at ovarian, just to compare it, uh, $120,000. Wow. Wow. If we look at cervical cancer, $71,000 was spent on on cervical. So there there is, yeah, there's a lot more money, a lot more awareness uh, spent on breast cancer. In fact, it's the number one cancer uh, of all the cancers in terms of, uh, of, of money being spent on. Um, by far, by far. I mean, nothing else comes to within half of what's spent on breast cancer, which is a good thing, which is a good thing. And a lot of- well, it's drugs, a good thing for breast. It's not so good if you- For the rest of you. <laughs> for the rest of you. For the rest exactly. of you It's now. not good for your, your ovaries, which are, by the way, related very much to your breast cancer risk. Right. Yeah, once you have the breast cancer, then they will outsource. Then they're going to start covering for all your other- uh, your transvaginal, et cetera, et cetera. Ah. Lung is 350, but a lot of that is funded by uh, cigarette money because uh, Philip Morris, yeah, yes. they, they, ah. right, they have to uh, uh, put in there. Uh, then you have colorectal at uh, 250, 256, leukemia 258. So, so it starts going down prostate 239. Then pancreatic 182. And I'm but, actually very surprised by that colon, that colorectal number being as high as it is. Like, I think it's because it's both genders. Ah, okay. right, right. Yeah. It hits both. Yeah. It, it hits covers both. everybody. What about yeah. prostate cancer? What's prostate the was two, I believe. Let me get, let me find it again. That was 239. Mm. Is prostate cancer. Mm. But again, it's it's not as deadly. I, I mean, when you get down to stomach cancer, it's fourteen point two. I mean, good luck if you get that one. Uh, they're just not. Uh, but that we're, that's what we're talking about. Also, it has to do with the symptomology too. Like some of those have. I mean, granted, the symptoms can be vague for some of those, but right. Is that what we're talking about? Also, ovarian has some very unclear symptoms or no symptoms. Yeah. Right. So. Mm-hmm. So some of this is, you know, if you're in the public eye, um, which breast cancer has been for a long time. And there are a lot of um, drugs that have been created. For and that has got to be part of it. That has got to be. Absolutely. That's absolutely a if part. Your only response, but so far ovarian, the response is surgery. Like that's a very quick, I mean, 
And then I guess it's pretty probably pretty standard chemo drugs, probably no new chemo drugs or, you know, yeah, it's money behind the breast cancer. Oh, it has to do with that. Yeah. Well, let me tell you. So when I, when I went to the gynecologist earlier this year and they told me that I was like, why, why? What well, that's, that doesn't even sound safe. And she wouldn't admit that it was the insurance. I, I know it's the insurance behind it. <laughs> the medical community is not simply going to say, yeah, we're just going to wait three years and make sure nothing happens to you. This was completely an insurance call and I'm not sure who rolled over on it, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, make it my business to invoke my BRCA and I'm going back and I'm going to have uh, both of them done because I'm not, I'm not going to accept it. It's just not acceptable. And you shouldn't either. No one should accept the insurance dictating your, your health terms. And what's key is that, you know, you're saying that because a lot of us don't know. So it's really helpful that you're saying it to remind us because there's all the different ways that we have to advocate for ourselves, Mm -hmm. all the different areas. I didn't know about the CA-125, so now I know. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? I'm a special case because I read all my (laughs) my questions and I ask all the questions and I'm like, what's this? And when I found out what it was, I was like, oh, okay. You know, and then I made sure every year after that, that it was done. I was like, what about my CA-125? Okay, good. Make sure you get a vial for that one. <laughs> you know, that's another thing. Like, so I had endometrial years ago, oh, endometrial right. cancer, and I had a full debulking where they removed all my organs, including both ovaries. Wow. And so, yeah. yeah, and everything turned out to be fine, uh-huh. but, you know, it was preemptive, which I have another beef about that because everything turned out to be not there. But the doctor, the surgeon said to me in the Bay, well, I was, you know, he said, I want to take your ovaries. And I said, do you really have to do this? By the way, I was already like in the surgical Bay with like, I'd already had my like IV and probably a little birth set. So I was very like, I just said, I'll go ahead and do it. So I felt like a little like, you know, like put upon and uh, under duress. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, then I was like, well, at least I don't have to worry about that. That might not be the case. You still have tissue left behind. It's complicated. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask for that then. Yeah. 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 Well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Frenchman to Oak Street, Tremaine, Gentilly, and the CBD. V102.3. WHIDFM, the vibe of the city for human rights and social justice. WHIV, 102.3 FM. And we're back. And we are going to talk about something that has just recently happened in the news. And I want to say rest in peace to General and Statesman Colin Powell and offer my condolences to his family. He passed away last week from COVID-19 complications at the age of 84. There won't be another like him for a long time, I don't think. Yeah, Um, indeed. Yeah. For those who don't know who he is, please look him up. I can't get into his resume. It's just too long. So now when the news hit that Colin Powell died of COVID after a breakthrough infection, there was this general feeling of vindication among the anti-vaxxers like, see, I told you so. Mm. Well, the Powell family put out a statement to clarify that General Powell was treated for multiple myeloma and Hodgkin's disease. 
So in other words, slow your roll. He had comorbidities that contributed to his poor immune response at age 84 to the virus. The bigger issue is that some unvaccinated person exposed this immune compromised man to the virus that eventually cost him his life. That's the bigger uh, issue. Not trying to, to make a, 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 an example out of him and try to say, see, the vaccine doesn't work. The vaccine does work. Okay. The Department of Health and Human Services advisor Ian Sands wrote on Twitter, please don't let the death of an American icon become fodder for anti-vax forces that are putting untold millions in danger. Vaccines work. They prevent bad outcomes. They, like all vaccines, are not 100%, especially among older people with underlying complicating health issues. Amen to that. I mean, the the only thought is that when you're vaccinated, you're not only thinking of yourself, but you're also thinking of other people. So, you know, I'm just going to throw that out there into the universe, um, you know, and just give give thought to what you're doing to others, even though you feel invincible and coronavirus is not going to kill you, blah, 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 because you know. And, and you... it's nothing more than a cold and my, yeah. my special di- sugar-free diet is going to combat it because my immune system is just so powerful and robust. It's not yeah. about you. Mm-hmm. So. That's right. It's about your family. It's about your friends. It's about your neighbors. It's about other people too. It's about other people. And it's about perfect strangers. If you go to the supermarket, you don't know who in that aisle that you're breathing your, you you know, you may have a compromised immune system. Right, exactly. You you don't know who you're passing it on to because it's not being spread amongst vaccinated people. Please believe that. It's being spread among the unvaccinated who are carrying it and giving it to, to vaccinated people and or to other unvaccinated people who can't vaccinate for various reasons. I don't know. Did he have Hodgkin's? I didn't know he had that. I thought he was not able. Yeah. He he had had multiple myeloma, which is multiple myeloma and he had Parkinson's Parkinson's. Uh, He was not able to get, he was, he was scheduled to get the booster, Uh, but he was not able to get the booster because he, he already had the COVID. Uh, his wife was also infected, but she was fine because she didn't have the underlying conditions. Right. So she was elderly, just like like him. And she had taken both shots also. Wait a minute. You said he had Parkinson's, so it wasn't Hodgkin's? I know he had Parkinson's and he had multiple myeloma. He had multiple myeloma and Parkinson's. He told me Hodgkin's and I said Hodgkin's. Oh, my God. No, yeah, but now we're saying it wasn't Hodgkin's. It was Parkinson's and oh multiple my- myeloma. God. Yeah, well, we okay. fixed it, and right. that's it. Yeah. It's on the record now. Okay, so. all right. Let's all move right. on to New York City workers. Speaking of vaccinations, New York City workers will be paid five hundred dollars to vaccinate. I simply can't. <laughs> New York City Mayor Bill De Blasio, Wilhelm, announced <laughs> that New York City will require. <laughs> All municipal workers, including police officers and firefighters, to get their first vaccine dose by October 29th. After that date, they will no longer be able to opt for weekly coronavirus testing. To incentivize these city employees, they will have a $500 bonus added to their paychecks for receiving their first shot at any city-run vaccination site. So those who are still unvaccinated will be put on unpaid leave until they can show proof of vaccination to their supervisor, and then they'll be rewarded for doing what they were supposed to do to begin with. So this is what it's come down to, people. 
We have to pay grown people to not only take care of their own, <laughs> but to not get other people sick. I can understand people who physically can't get vaccinated, like the immune compromise. I can even get behind and make a mental allowance for those who like have legitimate religious objections, like the Seventh-day Adventists. But simply just not wanting to do it because you read something crazy on social media, I, I, I just can't. Yeah, where's my $500? Right. Where's my $500? I want $500. I should get $1,000 because I did it early. Yes. (laughs) People, I just hope the $500 will help many people get over their quote-unquote concerns about the safety of the vaccine. We need to just get on with it, right? Yeah, I I think so. I I believe that there's other municipalities and, and places that are kind of rewarding people yeah, they've been doing that for a while, gift certificates and give yeah. you a hundred dollars to get vaccinated. And you know, there's carrots and there's sticks. So they're giving people carrots, uh, get vaccinated, uh, then they're giving people sticks. If you don't get vaccinated, you'll lose your you may lose your employment. Um some Is of the, that the consequence he was saying? Yeah, unpaid leave until yeah. you get vaccinated. Now oh, okay. Yeah, like on a separate issue. New York City will uh, will give you unemployment benefits if you do lose your job. <laughs> uh, it's New York City and Washington State, I believe, are giving you unemployment uh, benefits if you do lose your job because you did not take the vaccine. So do you get like a medical exemption? Can you have a medical exemption and keep your job or no? You have to have a medical exemption. Like I have, I'm a cancer survivor. I can't do my right. vaccination. I'm just giving an example. I don't know what, right. is, but I'm just saying I'm a cancer survivor. I can't mm-hmm. do the vaccine right now. Or I have like some, like um, I'm HIV positive. I can't do the vaccine. Um, okay. It will, you know, destroy, you know, what little immune system I have left. Um, or I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. It's in my teachings. Here's my note from my pastor. Right. So the religious objection. Do not, okay. Yeah. We, because we don't do any of that. We don't do aspirin. We don't do any. Right. We don't do any. We don't do a any. long history of nothing. Right. Nothing. Short of that, this, you know, you, you have some people that are like, well, I don't believe in, you know, they use a uh, stem cell uh, or was it fetal cells or something like that? They use fetal cells is the allegation okay so you're ultimately yeah. the vaccine okay and i'm catholic and i don't believe in in using and i'm not singling out the religion i'm just giving an example right an example okay um catholic, and i don't believe in the use of unborn babies uh to help right. uh, you know create science so i don't want to put that into my body never mind it's not actually anywhere in the ingredients correct but that's what some people are saying but guess what? The Pope has come out and said vaccination is an act yes. of love. So <laughs> again, not yes. Catholic. I'm just saying like that does not constitute a legitimate religious objection like the Seventh-day Adventists have. So what are the strong consequences that de Blasio is saying? You lose your job, you're on unpaid leave? You're on unpaid leave. You cannot, you cannot be on the job and you're not going to get paid to, to not be on the job. Uh, until you can come back when you get vaccinated, when you come to your senses. But other than that, they can't fire you. But they give I, you unemployment, which is but, insane. But, but the city does. I know it's banana. Do you think this is a last ditch effort to try to do the right thing? 
I think he's trying to clean up a lot of mess he created. And I think it's probably in deference to who, you know, uh, Adams who potentially. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Essentially, who's like, you know, the heir apparent. Introducing the new loaded scratchers from DC Lottery. These scratchers are loaded with cash prizes of 50, 100, 500, 1500, and $5,000, and chances to win up to $250,000. These games are absolutely stuffed, jammed, overflowing. You might even say, loaded? Play the games that are packed with $7.5 million in cash prizes. Get your loaded scratchers today. Um, I think there is some of that. I think there is like, okay, this is serious. I, I, you know, I'm on my way out anyway. I wonder what he would do. I wonder what he would do if he had one more term. Don't you wonder that, Lou? Do you wonder like what he would do if he had one more term? He wouldn't have done, he wouldn't have, he, he's actually done a couple of things that made, made sense. And he's done quite a few things that make zero sense, but he just wanted to pull them through because it's promises that he made 12 years ago. And he's just trying to position himself now to a run for... For governor. For governor or whatever. Uh, whatever. Do you guys like this? Do you like this incentive? Do you feel like it's eliminating the option for weekly testing? Are you guys good with this as New Yorkers? Um, Well, the problem with the weekly testing... Is that delay? Is that if you test on Sunday, yes, you get exposed on Monday. By Friday, whoever you're around could be sick, and then it doesn't matter if they catch you. Too late. It doesn't slow. Right. And that's the problem. Almost every city job deals with dealing. You know, relates to dealing with the pro with the public. If you work for the DMV. You know, Department of Motor Vehicles, typically you're dealing with 50 to 100 people a day. And that might be a small number. Uh, I mean, you you could be patient zero very quickly. Yeah. Uh, so it is a health issue. Um, and, uh, you know, whether it's uh, particularly if you're, or, if you're if you're if you're front facing customer facing like. Like, yeah, like a DMV. Yeah, absolutely. Like a DMV, like a police officer, you know, like a firefighter, um, like a, a clerk at a any, health hospital. Any. Yeah. From Department of Sanitation to firefighter to NYPD to working for transit. Uh, I, I mean, I could just list, uh, go on and on and on. 
you're in contact directly or indirectly with that's a, a huge number of people. people. Yes, we and, know the number, and people. you can easily become a vector. I don't have that number, but that's yeah. a good question. That's a massive number in any case. Yeah, you're, you're not just a person that's sitting there on an island inside your apartment and saying, I'm not going to vaccinate. And, and don't forget, it. we were ground zero when this thing first hit. We yes. were, you remember how crippled we were because yeah. you walk down the street. You can't avoid anybody here in New York. Right. You walk down the street, you take a bus, you take a train, you take an Uber. The, you, the second you get out of the Uber, someone jumps right into that same Uber. Oh, you, yeah, you're breathing so air. Easy. Yeah, it's so easy to spread around here in New York because there's just no room. We're all so much on top of each other. If you vent from your bathroom into your neighbor's bathroom, that was was what's happening in the housing project. Everyone's getting each other sick because the ventilation is so poor that you cough in your bathroom and the adjoining bathroom in the other apartment now has your your COVID. It's absolutely bananas. There's just no... There's yeah. no reason why we can't do everything. That's why we're so crazy here in New York. Yes. There's no yeah. reason why we can't we we can't do everything that we need to do in our power. Do you think this so, should have been the case earlier? Like absolutely. And that's ago? why I'm annoyed okay. with Wilhelm. Okay. That's why I'm annoyed yeah. because we <laughs> could have done this months ago. Well, you know where I stand in this. We've talked yes. about Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, you know, I mean, it's better late than never, but at the same time, it's too little too late. And, and the reason I say that is because now so many people know that they have so many different options and they're fighting and people, right. are, you know, something that used to be like, you, you compare this to, you know, when kids were, were, were little and you had to have your vaccine, you had to have your, your MMR to go to school. No one questioned right. that back then. And yeah, then, no, no, some 20 years ago or something like that, people just lost their minds with this whole, but it's because of that guy who wrote that, that article in the, um, mm-hmm. what the, was it, JADA? The Lancet. The Lancet, oh, thank you. You know, and ever since then, people have just, you know, and, and, and with social media also, people have just like lost their minds and like, and, and you know, getting there. And also people getting worked up about the rights of the individual versus the rights of the That's group. That's the other so preoccupied. Much more and more and more, uh, right. you know, more selfish and less community minded. Yes. Yes. Things that didn't bother us 20, 25 years ago are now yeah, people are up in arms and willing to fight to the death over. It's right. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. And, and I blame him for not laying down the, the facts very early and, 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 and not holding people accountable earlier. All right. All right. Well, some good news, at least. The CDC approves Moderna and J&J COVID vaccine boosters. Uh, and are allowing people to mix and match the shots. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recently provided full approval for booster shots of Moderna's and J&J's COVID-19 vaccines, giving people the freedom to choose any of the three vaccines, that's including the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID vaccine, approved for use in the U.S., regardless of what they first vaccinated with. The CDC Advisory Committee unanimously endorsed boosters uh, of Moderna and Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 vaccines, which was then supported by the CDC Director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky. The agency's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices has limited their recommendation of the Moderna booster to elderly people and at-risk adults six months after they complete their primary series of shots. 
And that's bringing it in line with how uh, Pfizer and BioNTech booster uh, is being distributed. Or if you had J&J booster, it's for everyone 18 and older who received the initial shot at least two months ago. So the panel didn't specify which vaccine should be used as a booster, leaving it up to doctors to decide whether to mix and match um, doses to provide the best protections for patients. So what do you guys think of this? I think this is great news. I'm so happy about that. My parents were finally able to get their booster. And um, <laughs> so I'm glad about that. That was, uh, I'm very relieved. I like this mix and match. I like it. Yeah. I remember okay. Angela Merkel had, I think she had a mix and match also in Germany. I think. Oh, Angela Merkel. Okay, well, that's yeah. good. But they don't have the restrictions here. But she's is she over 65? She's she's over 65, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, I can't wait to go and say, I think I'll take the one in the green package. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice to be able to have options. You know, I mean, yeah. I still can't get it. But yeah, I wonder when that's going to happen, by the way, when people who, you know, are below a certain age, well, when, right they start, now, when they start, when they start seeing the numbers going up again, that's when they'll finally say, okay, oh. because part of the, because part of the, that, I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen because part of the, the push is like, well, people are healthy here in America and there are people in Africa who have never had their first dose. And so we shouldn't be greedy and be working on our, our second uh, go around on this when other countries haven't had their first go around. Yeah. Lou, do you want to take this one? I don't know. I might, I might be exposed as the, as the closet right winger here. But uh, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll tell you uh, what the other piece of good news. I, I'll, I'll just completely ignore the question and go to you. That was set up for you. No. It was set up for you. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not going to take the bait. He's not going to walk into that landmark. He's not going to walk into that Exactly. All right. Well, I'm not even going to get into that. Where I'm going to go here is with some good news, uh, double good news on that. Uh, not only are we going to have uh, all these choices for boosters here in the United States, but Hopefully by our next show, we might be reporting some good news on the on the uh, five to twelve year old vaccines. Oh, which will six all, to eleven. Six to eleven. Six to eleven. Oh, okay. All right. Well, six to eleven uh, year old vaccines. Uh, I think Moderna has another trial coming, so we, it it might be a each of the uh, companies have uh, separate ages. So uh, what we might be looking at is not only everybody with the ability to get a third. Uh, dose, but uh, cutting back on the uh, kid spread. So that should uh, limit our uh, spread. And we better do it fast because I hear things are heating up in the UK. There's uh, some... Oh, another surge? Yeah. In any event, this is really good news. And I think that this will bring a lot of people back to the offices because a lot of people are still very much afraid because hey, I'm vaccinated, but you know what? I could still get this from somebody and bring this home to my unvaccinated child and I would not be able to live with that. So I'm not going into the office because I don't want to risk getting my child sick. And that's what we have, um, you know, that's the situation we have now with a lot of people not wanting to go back to the office. And I think once, and, and not wanting to send their children to, to in-person school. So I think once this this booster is approved uh, for little ones, I think a lot of people will breathe a sigh of relief and then we can really get back to normal. I think that's really the last the last holdout mm -hmm. for 
for reasonable people anyway. For reasonable people. Yes, I was going to say, except for all <laughs> other people who are holding out for reasons that aren't medical. Yeah. <laughs> but you know how I feel about, you know, people needing to keep the, 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 the whole thing going. I just think that there's a segment of the population and the politicians, too. They have their own agenda that has to do with being heard and and making and monetizing it or, you know, getting their way somehow. Yeah, exactly. Because if you don't have a, if you don't have a, a, a if you don't have a, a pandemic to worry about. If there's no fire to put out, then what use is the Right, fire? and that's a guaranteed base right there because yeah. there's always somebody. Yeah, it's, so, a, it's a fear-mongering. And the, the, yeah. your it's a very effective fear-mongering. Yes, yeah. exactly. And they need that in order to, to, to continue. People are dying. Yes. People wouldn't die if they got the vaccine. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> people don't have jobs. Well, people don't have jobs because they're quitting their jobs. And because they're afraid to go back to the office uh, and, and because they, they don't want to get vaccinated. So they'd rather quit their job or rather be fired from their job than go back to the office uh, vaccinated. So it's, you know, I, I think they, they need this to continue in order to, to keep up their agenda. But I'm going to get off of that soapbox mm-hmm. and let's take a break. From the lower nine to uptown, mid-city to the West Bank, we got you covered, New Orleans. WHIV 102.3 FM. And we are back. And we are going to jump into this week's topic, which is what to do when your doctor won't listen to you. Uh, this seems to be uh, a trend that has been going on for some time now. And I don't know if it's something that's getting worse as we become more distracted as a society or if this is something that's just always been. But because of social media, more people are able to uh, connect uh, on these similar stories. Uh, I have some headlines here, for example, from from like some health blogs. Woman shocked to learn that weight gain is a 17-pound tumor. Her doctor kept telling her that she just needs to watch what she eats. And it turns out, you know, it's not until she started looking pregnant and she wasn't actually pregnant. It was a 17-pound cancer tumor. Then, you know, there's a woman whose doctor brushed off her stomach growth. Uh, It turns out she had a a 13-pound ovarian tumor. Then there was the woman, 27, who was body shamed by her doctor. You remember that horrible one. Yeah. That that she couldn't eat solid food and that she lost all this weight. Or is it, or is it ageism? Is it because these women are, you know, these people are coming in younger with cancer diagnoses and doctors are not um, fathoming that people so young could have cancer. I mean, that don't look like the, like out of the textbook. They right. doesn't fall in the queue. Like the doctor doesn't necessarily go, well, you, you didn't fit the profile. Right. So, yeah. And I, I'm sure they're constrained for time. So That's the other thing. Yes. Yes. And then there's a man with excruciating uh, gut pain that knocked into his knees that was misdiagnosed by two doctors. How did that happen? So the first doctor misdiagnosed him. And then the second doctor he went to for a second opinion uh, piggybacked on the first doctor's misdiagnosis and mi- misdiagnosed him again. <laughs> first uh, uh, that almost killed him based on the wrong diagnosis. 
<laughs> and I'm laughing, but because it's it's not so fun. Awful. Because it's so awful. It's, it's just so so unfathomable that these these, these sorts of things are, are are happening to people. And I just want to share that there is hope and there is help. Now, Atlanta psychiatrist Dr. Tracy Marks has a great YouTube channel that gives advice on how to talk to your provider. I'm saying provider because it might not necessarily be a doctor. It may be your, you know, PA, maybe an MP. What's um, her name? RN, Dr. Tracy Marks. Oh, T-R-A-C-Y and Marks like X marks the spot. Okay. So she's got a great YouTube channel. It's, it's in her name. It's Dr. Tracy. Okay. Um, and she gives great advice um, because what you want is you want to be able to convey your message that you um, don't agree with the doctor, but at the same time, you don't want to, to provide her, I'm correcting myself, um, but at the same time, you don't want the provider to feel like you're discrediting or dismissing their, their medical expertise. So her example, she is a psychiatrist. So her examples uh, talk mainly about mental health and psychiatry, but I believe that the advice um, is applicable to medical provider encounters as well. Absolutely. Based on what she said. Uh, And so one, have a list of your symptoms prepared before your visit so you don't forget when you're in the office. It's also a good idea to list them as you feel them beforehand so your descriptions will be more detailed. So for example, if you're sitting at your coffee table and all of a sudden you get that pain or that twinge or whatever it is, you pull out your phone and you write it down or you pull out your notepad and you write it down. So you have it when you go to the doctor that you can refer to. That is such practical life advice. Period. Right. Oh my God. Right. And, and, and I think uh, the key that that's there is have a list of the symptoms. Don't go to your doctor with a list of possible conditions. Yeah. That, that goes into the, that goes into that's, that's one of them that I'm getting ready to pull up. So oh, okay. the next one though, that's the third one. Make sure you use your time effectively uh, in your visit. So military leaders call it bottom line up front or bluff. It's where you get straight to the heart of the matter. So your visit um, time is focused where you need it to be. Usually the provider has to go through like a checklist of questions. How's your diet? How's your mental health? Are you getting exercise? You smoke, drink, blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't leave you much time to cover while you're there. Making Uh sure your time is used effectively is good for you and your provider. So on to what Lou was saying, do not use clinical terms. Just describe your symptoms the way you feel, they will, the way they feel to you. So if you try to use terms you've read online, a provider could become dismissive, like you're self-diagnosing or like you spent too much time on a very popular medical information website. We won't yeah. <laughs> That's true. I've had that experience where somebody's <laughs> like, <laughs> you can Don't say things like the internet. Yeah, I know, right? You can say things like, I read this article online and I think this sounds a lot like what I'm feeling. Or I was reading about blah, 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 and the symptoms they talk about match closely to mine. And then list the symptoms that you have. Now, I will tell you that I make no bones about talking to my providers about studies I've read, but I don't recommend that tactic for everyone. I do it because I have to push back on advice that's not in line with the science, Um, but that's just me. I, and I don't go in acting as if I know better than them, just that I know what's best for me based on the science. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's clinical terms. Also, you're a skilled communicator. So this is so helpful because not everybody is a natural communicator or has yeah. that. So this is great advice. Yeah. It's giving you points. 
Yeah. And this is an important one. Make sure you have a list handy of all the supplements you take as well as any alternative treatments you're undergoing. So we often go to the doctor with a complaint, but we almost never think of talking about what we're doing in our everyday life that might contribute to what we're complaining about. I was listening to a podcast by Dr. Mark Hyman, and the guest was a doctor who developed the stroke from, of all things, doing high intensity interval training. I know she was doing like some upside down push up or like something hardcore like that. And she got, uh, she developed, uh, she got a stroke from it. So don't assume that your lifestyle is not related to your complaint just because it's healthy. I actually drove up my own high blood pressure, drinking licorice root tea. What? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) So this working at the hospital that a lot of patients, they were very savvy and some of them would bring in like a printed list of all their meds. It was so great. You would just pop it right into their uh you know their folder it was so helpful i keep i keep pictures of the back and front of every bottle of every supplement that i take oh so the information of like when you take it is on the bottle is that part of it not the when you take it part i mean you should know that you take it right that would be in your list of meds but but like the dosage and what you know what's what's included in it etc okay And, and of course you should always ask questions. That's the last one. Come equipped with questions for your provider. What does that mean? What should Mm -hmm. I do if this happens? Why do I need to do this? What about this? You get the idea. The provider is interested in solving your problem Mm -hmm. and asking questions will help him or her do just that. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, first, you know, the don't get discouraged portion, I think is also very, very important. Um, And, you know, I think right That's away we, we should bifurcate or split uh did you already get a diagnosis from a doctor and you don't agree with it and now you're seeing another doctor or this, ah. is, first, this is the first time okay. i think all of that needs to be disclosed right away mm-hmm. so let's let's look at um let's look at um you know this is your first time you let's make up a an ailment stomach pain or something uh, and it's almost a, a little bit like seeing your computer person. The first thing they always tell you is turn off your machine. Uh, you yes. know, is it plugged, plugged in? in? Is your router plugged in? Yeah, sometimes Have you checked the cable? Yeah. They're going to do this. And that question usually sends you up the wall because. Ah, you put oh, the- what a good point. Yes. Yeah. Feel like this is the first thing I'm an idiot. Of course yes. I did this, you know, or. But those questions usually weed out like 70% of it. So if you have a, a problem having stomach pains, you know, maybe a doctor is going to think the first thing he has to rule out is gas or lactic and to- lactose right, intolerance. Right. You know, a lot of common stuff. And those are things that maybe you can rule out on your own and say, and, and right away tell your doctor, you know, by the way, this is not related to my drinking milk uh, products at all. We, I've already done that test on my own. There's, there's a lot of stuff you can do. Yeah as a pre-visit uh, to get yourself, uh, get yourself ready, including things that you feel trigger this pain. So if you feel I get this pain and I get it every time I squat or I get this pain every time I'm laying down on my back. The, or the doc- every time I laugh or. Yeah. yeah. The doctor right. can start going in, in other pathways and he may say, hmm, let me see if GERD is this uh, or, or not. Um, the third thing is that 
aside from doing all the tests, and, and if you do test, I'm a big believer in this. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again this week. Always keep a, a copy of your blood test. That way you can give your doctor those blood tests right away. But, you know, your doctor may give you a simple cure just to see if it works and say, come back in two months. Try that this. Might also be, that might also be the way it gets covered by insurance, too. But I'm talking about, mm-hmm. we're talking about situations where someone yeah. goes in, mm-hmm. they have a complaint. Right. Doctors dismissive mm-hmm. because well, maybe they're not speaking the right it's language. It's the attitude. It's the well, attitude. Okay. Let's I, look. Jackie, okay, so, can we talk about- sometimes when people are anxious, they they have an attitude. They're right. anxious. But, so yeah. Or if you're in pain, yeah, you're gonna have an attitude because yes. you right. want solutions. Or or the doctor doesn't give you choices. Well, we Take can't this, really control know? what the doctor does. I'm trying to put patients in control of mm-hmm. the situation so that they can get the most. Mm-hmm. Here's my situation. Here's what I've experienced. Here are my notes. Here's how it makes me feel. I've mm. done some research. This sounds very similar to what I have. What do you think? That is what, a, that re- does require the right doctor to be able to take that. But you're comfortable with that kind of language. I appreciate that. This- people need to be comfortable. Okay, let's go back to, to what happened to you, for example, if you don't oh, mind. Okay, so what happened with me was... Um, I went to my gynecologist and I'd been going for years and I said, you know, I have really heavy periods. And I wrote that in, you know, I wrote that in the notes. They just like symptomology and that went by several years. And, um, you know, there was always a case of, um, well, everybody thinks they have heavy periods. And it wasn't until I found an article that very specified, it quantified what qualifies as a heavy period. And it said, if you go through more than 30, uh, you know, tampons in a month, like during your period of like a certain level. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy crap. So then I was able to like bring that number. But before that, you know, the doctor didn't realize that. And I didn't fit the profile. So the doctor had the very good sense of saying, well, before we get that procedure done, I have to test you. I have to do a biopsy of that area to make sure there's no cancer. And lo and behold, turns out there was. And everything worked out okay in the long run, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, he said to me as, you know, he goes, you didn't fit the profile. You didn't look like it because I wasn't obese. Mm -hmm. I wasn't all the things that look like a type of PCOS. Um, And, you know, I didn't look like the heart. Now, I was overweight for me at the time. But I wasn't overweight by, you know, by, by clinical standards, by clinical standards. And, you know, I had noticed changes going on. And also, you know, they kind of knew me to be a bit of an anxious person. So and, you know, I was one of these people like, could you test me for this? Can you test me for that? Like I was always asking to get tested for things. And I think they thought I was just a generally anxious person. So I think on some level there was that feature, you know, like they're like, oh, don't worry about your heavy periods. But once I had that quantified number that made a big difference that's part of that but I also think what you're saying about what this Dr. Tracy Marks is saying about like the language Mm -hmm. that makes such a big difference too I wish that I had had like a non-confrontational language that gets the point across that's respectful and doesn't isn't dismissive like those are really helpful also I do have a tendency sometimes in a doctor's she said use 
plain language. Right. And I have right. the tendency to sometimes like bust out a technical term because I just yeah. love reading yeah. and I'm nerdy. And they start rolling their eyes. It's like, oh, here we go. Or, or they assume that I know more than I do. And then I'm, and then we're, we're not using the right language. We're, mm-hmm. we're, you know, like using the word significant statistically is not significant socially. Like it's using the same words, but they're actually meaning different things. Like that can happen too. So there's actually a miscommunication, right. but everybody thinks they're on the same page. So this right. plain language that's very right. detailed, that's really a helpful advice. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and also remember, and, and this is not only for doctors, this, this, this it is really is for life, isn't it? It's yes. for accountants. It's when you're doing your taxes, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're at the car fun. mechanic. I didn't even working. think about the car mechanic or the accountant. Yeah. Yes. Don't and, you know, regardless of what it driving. is now, because technology and complexity of life have taken us to a part where we can't be experts of everything. And we kind of feel disenfranchised and disempowered when dealing with these people, especially if they're non-communicative, if they immediately decide what's best for you. And hey, they can be pressed for time, they can be great professionals, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But that human aspect still has to that's so important. And is, not everybody has it, unfortunately. And and really, you know, you have to sometimes you just have to get a different doctor or a different car mechanic or a different accountant, not because of competency but because of their ability to communicate with you, right. that is very, very important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But above all, I, you know, I think it's important for people to be empowered and feel like they can go to their doctor or their MP or their PA, whoever the provider is, um, yes. and feel like you can have a handle on the conversation and not feel overwhelmed. And mm-hmm. I think um, some advanced preparation before that, and I know people have busy lives and all of that, mm-hmm. but what's more important than your health? Your health is like the right. number one commodity. Mm-hmm. It's worth more than it's in its weight than gold. And so just like you would plan for retirement, plan for your health too. So, you know, I, I hope this, this helps some people because it can be very frustrating when you um, know that something's wrong with you. You feel it in your gut, no pun intended but you just are not able to get through to the provider. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully this information will help you feel empowered, um, help you, uh, you know, get organized, help you have uh, important conversations and above all, take care of your health. That's the main thing. Take care of your health because no one's going to take care of it better than you are. No one will. All right. That's all the time we have today. This was really good, guys. I can't wait to talk to you again next week. This is so much fun. I love you guys. So much fun. All right, my dears. Okay. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Urban Health Weekly today. I hope you'll join me and my friends next week so you can stay informed and inspired to take control of your health. See you next time.
there's never been a better time to find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app and place a $10 Moneyline wager on any NBA playoff game. If either team hits a three-pointer in the game, you'll win $200 in free bets. Just use code CHAMPION200 when you make your first bet. Sign up now and discover BetMGM's daily promotions, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 in free bets if either team hits a three in any NBA playoff game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Adventure awaits around every corner at Jungle Expedition, a new immersive area at King's Dominion. Embark on a journey of mythic sights and sounds as you make your way towards Tumbili, the all-new 4D spin coaster. Buckle into unique free-spinning seats and tumble through the jungle. By the end of this whirling ride, you'll be head over heels, literally. Plan your visit to Tumbili and Jungle Expedition at kingsdominion.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.